Welcome to our podcast today. My name is Winston Smith. I'm a faculty member and counselor with the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Miriam Herzog, and our special guest, Dr. John Applegate, who's a psychiatrist practicing in Philadelphia and who is also a biblical counselor. Welcome, everybody. Thanks. It's good to be here again. Special welcome to John. John was with us uh, before, just giving us um, his insights into how he thinks about the connections between biblical counseling and psychiatry and challenging us to think about ourselves as whole people who live before God um, and need to be thinking along all those lines. John, I I was wondering if today we could talk a little more specifically about the typical questions and challenges that biblical counselors and pastors have as I think about working with people who, who have what seem to be psychiatric needs. Mm-hmm. So let me get started with the, just the whole issue of medication. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times pastors or counselors may feel the need um, that, that maybe someone they're counseling would benefit from some kind of medication, mm-hmm. but they feel a bit torn. Um, is, that, is that something that's biblical? And if so, when do you when do you cross that line? Well, this is a great question um, because it's not um, it's something that does cause a lot of people um, concern, even outside of the church. Uh, when people come to me, uh, nobody wants to usually be taking a medication, and and it's oftentimes seen as uh, a failure to get to that point, mm-hmm. uh, but especially within the church, uh, there seems to be this idea that uh, something hasn't gone right um, from uh, from the perspective of trying to counsel them biblically. If we if we have gone to the point of talking about medications, um, I don't necessarily think that is uh, a biblical idea, um, and I think a lot of this comes from you know, our own. Um, you know, in, insecurities, our own desires to be autonomous, not depend on mm-hmm. on things, and there's a lot of other factors that influence people's hesitations. There's some good hesitations as well as um, you know the side effects, seeing mm-hmm. uh, medications not working or even causing devastating effects can be another good reason people should have hesitation. Um, but when when I hear of pastors or, or, or believers struggling with this question, often it's with this idea that um, there's something wrong about um, uh, having to take medications. That's something I don't agree with, obviously. I'm a psychiatrist. And, um, but, and in fact, uh, I, I have probably a more liberal uh, view of medications. I think that they always can be something someone can consider. Whether or not to use them is really a wisdom issue, and, and uh, not just to you know straddle the fence with that term, but but really, um, it's not that medication is a dividing line that uh, that, uh, that either mm-hmm. it's indicated or not. Mm-hmm. It's always something that can help assist one's biology, but will that help that person? Um, in in their ability to place their faith in Christ, um, and sometimes it can be a situation where it's clearly um, clearly something that a medication can help, and there might be disorders that uh, have this indication, and um, you know, 99 out of 100 psychiatrists would prescribe, but for that person, 
Um, the meaning of them taking medication is very concerning if they're looking to that as their you know, sole um, source of salvation. Um, but there's probably plenty of other times where you know, someone uh, may be, let's say, depressed. Let's say they have a seasonal pattern of depression and they are placing their faith in the Lord and they probably could weather through the depression. They may not need anything, but um, I will recommend to them that they, will, they should invest in a, uh, a full spectrum light that is a biological intervention mm -hmm. that can help their physiology to feel less depressed. And they can see that as God's um, hand of mercy, uh, providing something that, uh, that the creator of good gifts has provided, and we can worship him through that. Um, and so the wisdom becomes in, in, in really trying to see what is this person's, um, their own uh, view uh, of what this intervention will, will mean mm -hmm. to them. Um, that in mind, I know also though there are probably times where um, a pastor is thinking that this, you know, to not recommend they get medication, they might be risking um, uh, pastoral malpractice, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, I think there, when, you know, when in doubt, it's probably best if that pastor has a relationship with someone they can trust that will keep these issues in mind um, in, uh, in helping them to think through that. Uh, who, uh, let's say a psychiatrist uh, or some, maybe even a general practitioner who has a lot of experience with this can help them weigh through um, you know, what are the risks or, or benefits uh, of, of either exploring a medication option or, or foregoing it. Mm. Yeah, very helpful. Miriam, do you have a question? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, the sort of the opposite problem, <clears throat> or, you know, related to medication, but would be when a biblical counselor is seeing somebody that they might sense is what you would say overly medicated. You know, what are some words of wisdom? How do you walk that line yeah. um, graciously? Um, what yeah. would you say about that? This is, uh, this is a problem. Uh, I see a number of people who are... Uh, in my opinion, over-medicated. Um, I consider myself a medication minimalist. Uh, I'm very conservative. Uh, the benefits have to clearly outweigh the, the risks. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I have plenty of people that I know the current state of science requires they take a number of different treatments to actually be effective, and combination therapy is, is common. Um, and I'm not gun-shy about when that's needed, and and it does, the benefits are outweighing very serious risks, and so uh, it's not always apparent just from the number of medications somebody's taking, um, but it is epidemic probably that uh, people are taking too many medications, um, and and how does somebody outside of that person's doctor-patient relationship know? Mm. Well, uh, I think it's. Um, First, it's probably good to speak with that person if they know the reasons why they're taking all those medications. I try to help my patients weigh through the decision to take medications and every one of them. It has to make sense for them. It can't be just because I told them to take it because it's going to help. Mm -hmm. um, they, I want them to know clearly why are they taking it and, and what's the rationale. Mm -hmm. And they should also know about what the risks are 
um, and they should, they should know that their decision to take it is weighing those risks. So talking with the person to see first if they, they know. I know that a lot of people don't know. They, they simply um, are, are taking it because the doctor said so. Uh, second would be to try to have a conversation you know, with that person who's prescribing the medication for them. Just to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Um, I want to help them in the best way. I don't know how. Here are some observations we see uh, on our end uh, that they're, you know, they seem to be stumbling or slurring their words mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. any kind of you know, concern, obvious concern, that that person might be very thankful that you let them know that because they may have a very short window of time to observe this person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also allows the chance to have some dialogue about you know, the rationale. Sometimes you'll find in that this uh, this provider of the medications um, doesn't want to engage you in dialogue. They don't want to uh, provide you with the rationale. My advice then is to see if you can look around for other providers who will. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think that's really a disservice uh, to the individual. Uh, I know doctors are busy um, and I know it does take a lot of time um, and Sometimes there's more questions than we have time to, to answer, but there should be some good faith effort to try to help explain what's the rationale mm -hmm. behind it. Um, uh, but I, I guess my answer would be to really begin asking some more questions. I, I don't think it's helpful when people will tell that person, you're on too many medications, mm -hmm. you need to go back to your doctor. That sometimes can be very divisive and, sure. and get in the way. Yeah. I, I do see that happen a lot. Mm. Not, always, not usually from pastors, but oftentimes from um, concerned friends and in the name of trying to um, you know, lean on God more and less on medication, mm -hmm. that advice is oftentimes mm -hmm. given. I imagine, too, there's probably a, quite a trial and error with medication, too, depending on the person and the side effects they experience, which would be very different from another person. So, Absolutely. Know, I mean, I, I take thyroid medication and one made me kind of... Mm -hmm. crazy and I had headaches and it was bad and I switched to the name brand and all that went away. I mean that's just a thyroid medication mm -hmm. but you know mm -hmm. I experienced that really and then I had to go back to my doctor and say I'm having mm -hmm. these symptoms can yeah. we try something else and yes. or sure else. Enough, <laughs> right. right. Absolutely everything is trial and error actually. Mm -hmm. um, you know it, there's rationale behind what trial you decide first and it's based on information and your best you know, your, sort of your best chances of it being helpful, but um, everybody is a study of one person, mm -hmm. and you have to individualize that, and every time it's going to be uh, a kind of trial. Right. Hopefully less error, but... And I imagine, I mean, it takes a long time for these medications to start taking effect, Many, right? of, several, many of them do. Several months, so that mm -hmm. can also be, I imagine, a struggle for many people. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. kind of leads to a, a third question, which is... Um, as counselors and pastors are interacting with people who are already under the care of a psychiatrist, they're already on medication, um, what advice could you give us on how to interface with psychiatrists? What can we expect uh, in our interactions with them? Or what are some do's and don'ts of interacting mm -hmm. with them? Yeah. 
Well, for anybody interacting with me, I have no rules. Um, <laughs> Good to know. There's no do's or don'ts. You do what you want, and I'll tell you if, <laughs> if that's okay or not. <laughs> that's all right. Um, and pretty much anything goes. I think the things you can expect first is that they're the, the, your counselee is going to have to sign a release of information with the you know, with that psychiatrist giving them permission, mm-hmm. um, um, and then you'll probably have to you know make sure that that's happened and take the initiative to call the uh, psychiatrist. Um, but. I do think it's helpful to come from a posture of wanting to understand, not one of wanting to put them on the witness stand for the ways that they're mm-hmm. uh, treating your counselee. Because if you do that, you're you're more likely to find a kind of defensiveness and standing behind the authority of the, the prescription pad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's kind of human nature. But yeah. uh, um, but if if you're wanting to uh, you know just you know learn more and be educated and uh, you'll probably find a lot of psychiatrists willing to um, talk more about their, their thinking with you. Now, um, I do think though a lot will also be reserved in how much they feel at liberty to share, even with permission. Um, you know, so it could also be unsatisfying if you're looking to um, you know, get mm-hmm. more of the what goes on behind the curtain mm-hmm. feel from that conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe you can't assign numbers to this, but what percentage of psychiatrists uh, would you say are actually, you know, engaged in some sort of talk therapy versus just giving, just prescribing medication? 17%. Wow, impressive. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I was going to say 18, but go ahead. Yeah, it's... the, the, the gestalt feeling I have is, is probably about maybe a fifth of the field um, will go into usually a private practice, setting aside the, the therapy hour um, you know, to, do, to do talk therapy. Um, it, it's been a declining trend over the years. I think it's probably stabilized a little bit right now, um, but the vast majority will, uh, will do more of what Call the insurance model, the mm-hmm. medication checks, maybe even you know, the going into industry model, um, or even just the working in academia uh, model. I think you'll you'll find a lot more uh, going in that direction. So four out of five times, you're likely to be talking to someone who's primarily taking a medication approach, and you're not going to be getting a lot of insight on how to counsel them, maybe. Uh, th- that's that's my feeling. Now, mm-hmm. in theory, part of every psychiatrist's training includes uh, modules on various kinds of counseling approaches, um, you know, different kinds of psychological theories, and they have to show some competence in it. And so, for a period of time, they mm-hmm. you know, they coming out of the starting gate from residency, there will be some uh, you know, some level of uh, ability to do that, but. In my experience, unless you continue to stay on top of those skills and practice it and uh, get you know further training in in, in, in doing that, um, the the driving force will be uh, to spend as much time as you need to understand which which medication is going mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. Good, that's helpful. Well, as you know, I charge in fifteen minute increments, so our time is up. Today, so. <laughs> And I'm bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, and I only take cash. 
But anyway, thank you, John Applegate, for being with us, and uh, we'll see you all soon.